Hi everyone, welcome to Cafe Curiosity, a podcast about experience and discovery. The next three episodes form a sub-series on hair. Hair is a big part of our identity, and my journey with hair has been tumultuous, joyful, and rewarding. Hair is also a contentious topic because it is so core to our identity. And so I see this sub-series as a celebration, a fun and loving way to explore some of the sensitive, thought-provoking, and interesting tidbits about hair in our lives. In this episode, I read Hairology, written by Sue Nyati, a story which I know many of us will identify with, from sitting between your mom's legs getting your hair done, to the sizzle of the hot comb, to sitting for hours and hours getting fine braids. Whatever your hair story, I know that it's intimately woven into every part of your life, as you will hear in Hairology. Hairology was written by Sue Nyati, an award-winning author whose works include The Polygamist, The Gold Diggers, and A Family Affair. You can find out more about her work by following her on Twitter at Sue Nyati. Remember to listen on after the reading for more. And now, Hairology by Sue Nyati. It was that time of the month again when Olutle made her pilgrimage to Joe's Dreadlocks, a boutique hair salon in Bramfontein specializing in dreadlocks, but not exclusively. It was a chilly Saturday morning and the sun was peering at the Johannesburg skyline with suspicion. The inner city streets were largely deserted, but for the women already congregating in the salon. They woke up earlier, rising with the sun, and many would probably still be in the salon as the sun was setting. Olutle sat by the sink. Her tousled mane of dreadlocks was being massaged with expert hands. This part she liked. She closed her eyes and allowed herself to enjoy the sensations. The shrill cry of a child broke her reverie. Across from her, a tiny girl of no more than five was having her hair quaffed the tears running down her face, intermingling with the snot from her nose. Behind her was a frustrated hairdresser, holding a comb threateningly in the air. I'm almost done, she said. Olutle was tempted to shout back, it never finishes, Nana. Once it starts, it never stops. The image of the crying child transported Olutle to her own childhood. The lingering smell of the singeing hair hung in the air. Olutle sat at her mother's feet, her head buried in her lap, the thighs of the older woman almost trapping her into submission. She could hear the hissing sound of the petroleum jelly as it connected with the smoldering metal of the hot comb. Sit still, admonished her mother, trying to quiet the fidgety six-year-old girl. Ouch, squealed Olutle as the comb pressed against her ear. I told you to sit still, shushed her mother. Being a woman is painful. Being beautiful is painful. Her mother explained to her that the pursuit of beauty was often accompanied by pain, but it formed part of the rites of passage required to become a woman. As Olutle grew older, she had to endure many other agonizing things, all in the name of womanhood. As Olutle bit back the tears and winced in pain, 
She swore that she would never put her own daughter through this. Such was the ordeal of getting her stubborn, unruly, knotted hair straightened. When all of it was smooth and shiny, her mother used black thread to manipulate the hair into rose or amabanzi. When her mother was done, she looked at her with a smug smile and deemed she was now neat enough to present herself to the rest of the school on Monday. Don't go playing in the grass with your brothers and getting your hair untidy, said her mother as a parting shot. The first few nights of wearing a new hairstyle were always uncomfortable as it would be threaded so tight. The veins on Olutle's forehead threatened to explode in protest. Across the room, her brothers, Tabo and Tulani, slept peacefully in the double bed they shared, their heads unencumbered, unrestrained. They did not have to endure any pain. They only had to inflict it. She slept fitfully. Days later, the discomfort would have subsided, but she would still have to sleep with a stocking for the hairstyle to remain intact for as long as possible. Her brothers teased her relentlessly about the stocking, pulling it over her head and calling her a thief. The heckling would culminate in a pillow fight, which would invariably be broken up by their stern father, who would march in waving a belt in the air. That would send them all scuttling into bed like frightened mice. For the longest time, she shared a room with her brothers until her breath started sprouting and a hive of silky smooth hair began growing between her legs. It was at that point that she was sequestered into her own room and her mother gave her a serious talk about impending womanhood and how she should not play with boys because they would get her pregnant. She remembered her 12th birthday vividly, not only because she had started her periods, but because for the first time her mother could comb her hair and secure it into one bushy ponytail. It was a proud moment for both of them but for different reasons. For her mother, who was her first stylist, the pride came from having grown that hair from rebellious stubble to something long and lustrous. Despite having no formal training or working experience as a hairdresser, she was extremely creative with Olutle's hair. At times, when she was feeling dexterous, she would use a needle to plait her daughter's hair into beautiful cornrows. This was always a lengthy process, but the outcome was stunning. Olutle would endure the distress because she wanted to impress her mother. Where did you learn to do this, Mama? asked Olutle. I learned from my mother. One day you will have a daughter and you will do her hair too. Look at you, such beautiful long hair. Olutle's face radiated with pride because it was a compliment to be told you had long hair. Alas, it never had the bobbing bounce or agile swish that the white girls had when they ran or quickly turned their heads. When she snapped her head back, her ponytail would not follow suit. Instead, it stood straight and firm like ruffled porcupine quills. Such is the stubbornness of natural black hair. Proud, resolute, unshaken. In contrast, her mother's hair was soft and pliable and much longer than Olutle's, because it was permed to perfection every month at one of the many hair salons that competed for clients in the CBD. Olutle would know her mother's hair had been freshly permed because the pungent smell greeted you long before she did. Olutle marveled how sleek and shiny it always looked on that first day. Do you like it? She would ask their father, cocking her head back and 
batting her eyelashes coquettishly. He would wrinkle his nose and reply that he did. But Olushle knew he did not and only said it to make their mother happy. How much did it cost? He would then ask, to which their mother would mumble something inaudible before disappearing into their bedroom, their father following. If their voices were raised, she knew the hair had cost too much. If there was laughter, her mother would have managed to sweet-talk him out of complaining. It was really a mission to keep her mother's hair soft and shiny like that. She would constantly have to apply curl activator spray and moisturizer to keep her hair soft and curly. One of Olutle's favorite pastimes as a child was massaging her mother's oily scalp. Then she would spend hours loosening the dandruff collected there as a result of the accumulation of oily residues. It became her obsession to remove it with a fine-toothed comb. Olutle was fascinated by the way the dandruff flaked off like snowflakes. She was in complete adoration of the older woman's hair because it seemed so much easier to attain that kind of straightness. On several occasions, Olutle would beg to be allowed to have a perm, but her mother was adamant that she would only be allowed to do so when she was much older or when she, too, had a husband who could pay for it. When Olutle started high school, her mother promptly cut her hair. She professed she was tired of doing her hair all these years. The real truth behind the haircut was that her mother felt her hair would distract Olutle from her studies. Her father agreed, you don't want to attract unnecessary attention. This, of course, alluding to boys who would catcall when Olutle walked to the shops to buy bread, making her uncomfortable. That was the kind of attention she did not want to court either. Olutle was secretly relieved to cut her hair. She was tired of the strain and administration that came with trying to tame her unruly curls. She sported a short afro, which she washed and combed and patted into shape without much stress. She did not realize it then, but her autonomy over her hair had led to less dependence on her mother. Gone were those moments of bonding over hair, moments that would be lost forever. Olutle's boyish-looking hairstyle earned her much ridicule from the other girls in school. To add to her anguish, they were forced to take religious education classes, and it appeared that every Bible verse seemed to glorify having long hair. But if a woman has long hair, is it her glory? For long hair is given to her as a covering, intoned Mrs. Clark as she read from the first epistle to the Corinthians. She too had a silky mane of black hair cascading down her back. The message was explicit. Long, beautiful hair must be pursued vigorously. But back then, Olutle had to contend with being an outcast and being ridiculed endlessly. None of the popular boys paid her any attention. If anything, they laughed at her. She resigned herself to being the uncool kid in school and instead immersed herself in the library among the volumes of storybooks. On her 16th birthday, after Olutle's exams, her mother finally relented and allowed her to relax her hair. At that time, dark and lovely, no-lie relaxer 
was released onto the market to much acclaim and ceremony. The product gave them silky long hair without the smell. It also resulted in a burnt scalp. Nonetheless, it seemed like a small price to pay for her new hair, which attracted unaccustomed attention from the boys who claimed not to have noticed her before. She was like that caterpillar who had been spun into a butterfly. For Olutle, it was a triumphant moment because she was finally able to fit in. Her acceptance among her peers grew, along with her confidence. Trips to the hair salon became a mother and daughter occasion in an otherwise strained relationship. Olutle was blossoming as a woman and she felt her mother was trying to contain her, which resulted in many noisy confrontations. However, the peace was always maintained on those trips to the salon where mother and daughter shared a hairstylist who commanded they return every fortnight for an oil treatment to avoid hair breakage. After the treatment, the hair would be set in rollers, blow-dried and then combed into a beehive or bob or whatever style was fashionable at a given time. With dark and lovely, the hair gained a bit of bounce. Olutle enjoyed running her fingers through her hair, much like the white girls did through theirs. More and more, she felt every attempt to straighten their hair was an even greater attempt to achieve proximity to whiteness. Most would argue that it was convenient, but Olutle was not convinced because it seemed like they spent every other week with their heads submerged in hair dryers. The trips to the salon weren't cheap either. After a month, you would need to return to the salon to relax the new growth of virgin hair. Such was the cumbersome management of black hair. It was like having a full-time job, the only perk being the glowing admiration you received, especially from the boys. Her first boyfriend happened then, Humphrey. He made her heart do somersaults when he looked in her direction. Her cheeks flushed when his name was mentioned. She was grateful for her complexion, which did not turn crimson, revealing her loss of composure. It was an innocent relationship by most standards. They spoke on the phone, wrote long letters to each other declaring their undying love, quoting from popular R&B songs by PM Dawn and Soul For Real. They only saw each other when his school came to hers for the debating club or choral activities. They were not allowed to date because her parents were strict, keeping her under lock and key. Then, one Saturday afternoon, when her mother and father were out of town, Olutle and Humphrey connived to finally meet for a movie. They sat in the dark, holding hands. It was in the cinema, after the lights were switched off, that they shared their first kiss. She closed her eyes when his warm lips landed on hers. She followed his lead when his tongue danced off hers. The kiss was sweet like the lollipop she often bought at the tuck shop. So dreamy-eyed was she after that kiss, she failed to concentrate on the rest of the Kevin Costner movie. All she wanted to do was lock lips with Humphrey for eternity. She was still starry-eyed when he dropped her off at home an hour later. When she saw her parents' car in the driveway, her heart catapulted in her chest. The panic. Humphrey tried to reassure her that everything was going to be all right. But Olutle pushed him away and asked him to leave. 
It was too late. She had been found out. Her secret was out. It's that hair, her mother screamed, waving an accusatory finger at her. It's getting to her head. It's making her wild. Then cut it off, shouted her father. Chop it all off. With blunt scissors, her mother chomped it all off in a rage. Olutle held back the tears as the tufts of hair fell to the floor. Later, her father shaved her scalp clean with the blade he used for the boys. She was now bald like her brothers, and they teased her constantly, calling her Baldilocks and the Three Hairs. Olutle didn't cry, but she was hot with humiliation. In their culture, women shaved off their hair only as a sign of mourning when there was a death in the family. It was a sign of respect. Otherwise, if it is a disgrace for a woman to have her hair cut off or head shaved, as the Bible proclaims in 1 Corinthians 11 verse 6, then she should cover her head. Bald, she mourned the loss of her hair, and she mourned the loss of her boyfriend, for that young loved was nipped in the bud before it could blossom into anything of significance. Within weeks, Olutle's hair sprouted like seedlings. As soon as the first shoot of hair could be manipulated, she begged her parents to allow her to braid it. By then, their anger had subsided, and as an act of contrition, they gave in to her request. Braiding is a lengthy process of weaving synthetic hair extensions into your own hair. Anyone who has ever had their hair braided will know it's a whole day affair. Olutle left home at six in the morning so that she could be at the Namandla Salon when it opened its doors to the public. It was a ratty-ass place with no aesthetics or ambience. It only offered chairs and mirrors, but it had the best braiders in town, and women flocked there like bees. Bumshaka was blaring on one of the radios. The two girls in the group, Tembi and Lebo, had become an iconic influence with their long braids that reached their buttocks. Olutle could only dream of having such a hairstyle. Her mother refused on the grounds that it cost too much. Only women of loose morals would have hair that reached their buttocks, she added as an afterthought. So, Olutle settled for having demure shoulder-length braids that were fitting with the school's hair policy. Braids gave her the freedom that her own hair could not. She did not have to worry about her hair being ruined if she was ever caught in the hot summer downpour or wanted to go for a swim. Many girls of her age didn't pursue swimming at school because invariably water would ruin their hair. Braids were a cost-effective option which saw Olutle through university. Unlike relaxed hair, she could wear her braids for three months before thinking of getting a new style. And in the interim, her own hair grew long and strong. Braids suited her mother's budget, which had tightened over the years. It did not help matters that Olutle's mom had cut her own hair, preferring to wear it short and natural. She said she was exhausted. Olutle wondered if it was old age or stress-related issues coloring the older woman's hairline with majestic silver. After she graduated from university, Olutle transitioned from the monotony of braids to weaves, which were the new rage. This, of course, was long before the days of Brazilians and Peruvians or the much-vaunted human hair. 
Weaves were not cheap, but because Olutle was now working, she could afford to style her hair the way she wanted. Earning her own money brought independence. Olutle made sure she found a job in the hustle and bustle of the capital city, far from the confines of her hometown and the austerity of her parents. Her hairstyles echoed this novel freedom. She vacillated between looking like Tony Braxton with a short pixie crop and Whitney Houston with a mop of curly hair that cascaded down her shoulders. The synthetic weaves of those days came in a wide assortment of colors, so you could become the blonde bombshell or brazen redhead you wanted to be. After all, your 20s are a time of self-discovery. Olutle experimented with different looks in a quest to find herself. The advantage of weaves was that they did not damage your hairline like braids did. So many women had lost their hairlines as a result of the excessive pulling and heat treatments. Those were the side effects nobody warned you about until it was too late. As a consequence, a whole industry sprouted, selling women products to restore damaged hairlines and delay premature balding. Olutle, like most women, spent a considerable amount of time and money flitting in and out of the hair salon. It was like a second home. Every woman will know that the bond you develop with your hairdresser is important. It's an intimate relationship, almost like having a lover. Olutle struggled with hairdressers. There was pesky Patricia, who kept her waiting because she had a queue of other clients to contend with and never kept a diary. Then there was the daunting Diana, who was domineering and tried to impose her will on her clients' heads. Then there was shifty Sheila, who declared blonde braids would look amazing on Olutle and everyone at the office thought she was a Grace Jones lookalike. Olutle soon discovered that hairdressers could make or break you, literally, so you needed to be equally yoked. They also demanded fierce loyalty. Woe betide if you cheated on a stylist with another. Hal hath no fury like a hairstylist scorned. Eventually, Olutle found one who understood her, steadfast Susan, whose styling ethic resonated with her soul. Around this time, Olutle thought she had also met the love of her life. Cindy saw was everything she thought she wanted in a man. Tall, strong, and noble. Steady, committed, and unwavering in his devotion. The attraction was instant. When he made love to her, she felt the earth shake. Her toes would curl as the intensity of an orgasm spread through her entire body, making her hair stand with intense pleasure. Cindy saw also accompanied her to the hair salon. If she was getting her hair braided, he would leave her to it and come by later with food and refreshments. All the hairdressers looked on with envy. When it was time to undo her braids, she would sit at his feet and he would unravel them one by one. He would oil her scalp and then massage it with tenderness. Olutle was overcome with love for this man. She could not wait to call her husband one day. For three years, this went on. They were cocooned in magical bliss. Olutle was overcome with love for this man. She could not wait to call him husband one day. For three years, this went on. They were cocooned in magical bliss. Then she fell pregnant. 
and he became unsure. Suddenly, she saw another side of him, which she would never have imagined existed. I'm not ready, he said. I'm not even sure I want to be a father at all. He suggested that she have an abortion. A baby was not a braid that could simply be undone. It had to be uprooted from her womb. She agreed because she did not want to lose him. She lost him anyway. She lost them both. She shed tears in the same way her uterus shed blood. While her body healed, she was not sure she would. Her heartbreak was another pain she would have to endure as a woman. As if to commemorate the loss, she cut off her hair. Standing in front of the mirror, she snipped it off. It was haphazard and clumsy, but she did not care. Something had died inside of her. She was mourning the death of her seed, the death of the country's economy, the death of democracy, the death of everything that she had once believed in. Coupled with the tanking fortunes from the bearish financial markets and her love life, she quit her job and returned to her hometown and the bosom of her family. It felt safe to be back in her parents' arms, in their home, under their fierce protection. Her brothers had both left home, and it felt good to be the only child, albeit a lonely one. Olutle went back to university to study for a master's degree, although she was not even sure what she really wanted. Her headspace changed to accommodate the uncertainty. Without a hair on her head to worry about, came a newfound freedom. It was the kind of liberty Olutle had not known in years. Not only did she attain financial independence from the costs of hair maintenance, but she also gained freedom in terms of time. She started to write then, long passages of prose as she poured her heart onto paper. No more sitting for hours in a hair salon. No longer did she have the painstaking worry of how she would wear her hair, how she would style it every week, or how it lacked luster. It was all gone. With it came the liberation of new beginnings. She might have been feeling imprisoned in every other aspect of her life, but for the first time, she felt her head was free, free from chemicals, free from the dryers, free from the pawing hands of stylists. A woman who cuts her hair is about to change her life, Coco Chanel famously said. Olutle's life was certainly about to change, but she did not know it then. By the time she finally made the move, her hair had already grown and she had started twisting it into dreadlocks. This was considered a risque hairstyle because dreadlocks were associated with Dacha smoking artists and free spirits. It was never considered a mainstream ladylike hairstyle. But at that point, Olutle did not care. Something bigger was knocking on the door of her life and she was open to it. She uprooted her life as she had always known it and relocated to Johannesburg with a suitcase filled with clothes and aspirations. Your dreadlocks are so long. How long have you been growing them for? Asked a woman who was waiting to get her own short, stubby dreadlock styled. Her question snatched Olutle from the distant past and drew her into the present. By this time, Olutle had been moved from the sink 
and was sitting at the hairdresser's station, having her dreadlocks twisted with thick yellow beeswax, moisturizing and nourishing them. Oletle smiled. It's been over 10 years. The best decision I ever made in my hairy life. The stranger kept staring at her head with admiration, making her uncomfortable. She hated drawing attention to herself, but her dreadlocks did that unwittingly. Oletle looked back at her reflection in the mirror. It had certainly been a tiresome journey to attaining the dreadlocks. Each lock of hair represented the profound growth in herself. She had come a long way from back then. The end. I want to thank Sue for writing that story. I think it's my story, your story, our story, especially if you grew up in Africa around a certain time. I know that hair is so important for all of us. It's a, a key part of our identity. You know, it's that one thing that can unite us and also really tear us apart. Are you part of the natural hair movement? Are you about your wigs and weaves? Do you straighten your hair? What does that mean? A lot of that really doesn't matter because ultimately it's an expression um, of yourself and what you love is what works. Going back into my childhood, I can relate to the stories of sitting on the floor between my mom's legs and having my hair done. And that almost kind of bobbing rhythm of your hair being plaited, you know, whether it was African threading or cornrows and the heat that came with it from being pulled in every direction. <laughs> it was quite an experience, but also a ritual. Because I remember in our neighborhood, hair was such a point of pride for mothers right and how it would be like you know so and so the one with the long hair or the one with the thick hair and you know exactly who was being described and who was being talked about and I for one was born with a decent uh, crop of hair because I think it came from my dad's side so I was never subjected to your auntie saying oh you know with that kind of hair you'll never find a man or if only she had hair like her cousins or her sisters and that's just what hair was right it's just one of those things that really brought us together and it made me think about what hair means to me. Over time, my hair has become such an important part of who I am because a few years ago, I went through a hair loss period. I was going through a lot of health issues at the time and my hair really thinned out. It was so scary because I literally felt like, you know, I was going to be bald within a few weeks. After that, I changed how I perceived my hair and how I used my hair, not only as a way to look decent or look good, but really as an expression of who I am and where I am. And I've had a glorious time of keeping my hair just kind of like wild and running free um, or doing some really intricate braided styles, which I've also loved. So my hair has definitely become my crown which is why this story, Hairology, was so meaningful to me because it actually took me down memory lane and um, I found myself in those moments of really thinking, geez, my hair has meant a lot to me. And um, this points me to something that one of the, the ladies said around her hair being a sign of her growth. 
I guess my hair, without realizing it, is it tells the story of my growth. It tells the story of of what influenced me over the years, where my mind was when I think about the slick back buns um, when I was at school to you know when I when I kind of was out in the world at university where you kind of shave it here and you twist it here and you color it here, blonde braided here to when I started work when it had to be this sleek black weave to now where it is natural. You know, I think it speaks of of everything that was going on in my life without me even realizing it was a record of all of this. It's really nice to think about it because I've never really given it much thought. It tells my story. One of the key themes that also came up for me was experimentation. The whole notion of your hairdresser is really a bit of a god in terms of like, you know, the risks you're willing to take. I know my hairdresser uh, knows that I'm so nervous about trying new things that the whole time she does a new style, there is so much tension emanating from me. And that the next day is the only time that I will send her a message and say, hey, darling, thank you so much. I love it. And it's always an I love it because she's just gotten to know me so well. We've been together for 14 years. So probably the longest relationship I have been in um, has been with my hairdresser. I thought it would also be interesting to to find out from my friends what their wacky hairdressing stories were. Yo, my wackiest hair salon story is probably going into Randburg and getting the twist braids done by those, I think they're Tanzanian guys. I was sitting on a little square cushion in this really bizarre looking space in between the legs of a man that I'm not sure had washed that day and they were singing and it was the most bizarre experience. The hairstyle was fantastic. I mean, it was amazing and I have gone again, but at least I was prepared this time and thank goodness for masks because back then there were no masks and it was it was a crazy time. I liked this wacky story about when a hairdresser goes rogue. Wackiest hair salon story. Where do I start? <laughs> After I'd had my son, I decided to cut my hair into the elusive Harley Berry type style. I took a photograph to a, a guy that came recommended. And then I went to his salon. He said, yes, my sister, I can do it. I sit down. He proceeds to butcher my hair. <laughs> the style required some of the hair at the top to be a little bit longer to achieve the style longer than it was on the sides and back. He cut it all the same length and it was a disaster. After I look in the mirror, I look at him and I say, this is not what I asked for. If you look at the picture and look at what you've done, this is not right. And he says to me, this is a photograph that you've shown me. Like real life is not going to look like a photograph. Never mind the fact that this was a photograph of a real person that had had the same style achieved in their hair. It wasn't a painting. It wasn't, you know, an abstract thought. It was literally a picture. Ah, but there you go. One of many wacky stories. And then hair and love how many of you have dated a Sindiso in your lives? A guy who would oil your scalp, help you to take your braids out, bring you food while you're sitting at the hair salon. That's one that hasn't happened for me. But for those of you who have experienced it, I can, I can just imagine what joy and bliss that was. It's so important to show your partner all sides of you, all sides of your beauty routine, that sometimes you don't wake up looking perfect and like you were just like rolled off a, 
a very precise production line, but that it is an acceptance of who you are with all your creases, your folds, your lumps. And I, I really appreciated that part of the story. I guess it, it wasn't great that, you know, it didn't work out and that there was some real pain that came for Olutle in that relationship. It also speaks to life being a journey and that there's a time for everything. That time came to pass and the next chapter in her life was also quite meaningful and beautiful. I also appreciate that this story really pays homage to moms and the role that they play, I think, throughout her life. Whatever was happening in her hair story, Olutle's mom and really her parents were there for her. So whether it was her mom doing her hair, uh, some of the tensions when she became a teen and wanted to do different hairstyles to date that first love and being able to go back home when things didn't work out, when she needed that kind of comfort and that love and weaved into this hair story was that constant that her mom was. I hope that you've also experienced that unconditional love that we get from our moms and our parents. And even if you haven't had your parents in your life, that there are those people in your community and in your circle who play that role, whether it's your aunts, moms you've adopted along the way. I think it's such a beautiful thing that they are a part of our stories and a part of our hair stories too. To end off, I asked my friends to tell me if there's anything that they would change about their hair story. I'm currently in my natural phase. So probably thanks to the pandemic, I couldn't get out to get my hair done. So I went a whole year and a half without a retouch. Late last year, I decided to chop off the relaxed ends and I have been completely natural. So if I was to change something with my hair history, it's probably to have gone natural a lot earlier because I'm enjoying the twists and a lot of the styles I can get out of it now. If I could change my history, I think I would have been bolder and braver to wear my own hair out. Like I was always in a weave or in a wig or in braids. And I never, I never really got to experience my hair the way that I've been experiencing my hair now and I, and I love it and I wish I had done it a lot earlier in my life to be proud of my own hair without it being covered by something else. I wouldn't change anything about my hair story. I realize now that it tells the story of me um, and I like the story of me. Uh, it's not always great, but I wouldn't change anything. I thought about it long and hard, and I can't think of anything that I would want to change about my hair story. Perhaps I could have, you know, taken a little bit more care earlier on and avoided being so shocked when I was losing hair and thinking, oh my gosh, if only I'd moisturized a little bit more. But I guess I am where I'm supposed to be now. And the fact that I had the capacity and the energy to really go gangbusters about understanding what to do with my hair and how to care for it is because this was the time to do it in the past few years. So no, I don't think I would change anything. Thank you for listening to this episode of Cafe Curiosity. I really enjoyed that story and I hope that it evoked some cool memories for you about your own hair story and that you will share those memories and any thoughts you have on the episode by DMing me 
at Lorraine Mutambiranwa on Instagram or writing to us at info at cafecuriosity.co.za. Please spread the love and share Cafe Curiosity with all your friends and everyone you know. And as I said at the beginning, this is a three-part sub-series on hair. So next week, join me for... A Woman's Glory, written by Kolofelo My Nature, and also a pretty cool discussion after that. Until next time, I wish you a week of open-hearted abundance. Take care.